Welcome to Mornings with Mike. Public Safety Today. Grab a coffee and sign up to receive your call-in information. Be a part of the show. For more information at any time, please visit www.tapsd.org. Now, let's get started with your host, Mike Pazesny. Hello, folks. This is Public Safety Today, a presentation of the American Public Safety Training Institute. We're using Richard James's book, Crisis Intervention Strategies, 6th edition, to um, to talk about crisis and the hostage negotiation. So why is it that we that we have to do this? Well, you know, the Federal Bureau of Investigation found out that about 12% of all incidents in which a perpetrator has been barricaded and refuses to surrender involve hostages. That's only 12%. So most crises involving a barricade situation occur in the home. Most of them are unplanned, spontaneous kind of events that involve males who are enraged by some kind of a domestic dispute. And we have been talking for weeks on this program about domestic violence, intimate partner violence, power and control cycles, crisis intervention. And as a result of these domestic disputes, we, and studying these things and studying these in relation to crisis and hostage negotiation, we have grown to understand that crisis interventionists can assume greater and greater roles in being able to positively, uh, positively affect the outcome of hostage negotiations. The second reason is that hostage takings uh, can occur anywhere on the planet uh, by terrorists, let's say, and make a lot of very sensational headlines. And we don't think very much about the fact that these same headlines could be made in our backyard. If you are an employee at a school, if you're a mental health worker, uh, just about any kind of office situation, you may think that you're the other guy, but uh, you may not be. And so you need to be familiar with what happens in the world of hostage taking uh, in the event that it happens to you, because about 52% of all hostage takings are instigated by people who are emotionally disturbed. And because of this, you need to appreciate, especially if you're a human services provider, that you're not insulated from this stuff. As a matter of fact, because you're there associating with people who typically will have emotionally disturbed psyches, you may be at more potential for risk than what you thought. Another aspect of this is violence is increasing in the workplace. And regardless as to where anybody works, there's not a month that goes by. Uh, there are certainly some weeks that don't go by that, uh, that go by that we don't hear about some criminal act or some act of workplace violence, which nine times out of, out of ten is attributed to either short-term or long-term mental health issues. And you know, appreciating that workplace violence is on the increase and that hostage-taking can there be on the increase, uh, we need to study this to be better prepared. The fourth reason that crisis intervention uh, is going to be talked about it as relates to hostage negotiation is that crisis negotiation um, is crisis bargaining. You know, there um, there is a kind of negotiation 
aimed at coercing another person to comply with some course of action. And all of these things that we've been talking about with crisis intervention are a part of this crisis negotiation. The person has disequilibrium. They're, they're in stress. They're exhibiting dysfunctional behavior. They have poor cognitive skills uh, at the time. They have heightened emotionality. They're, they may be operating from some base of trauma that they have just gone through. And the interventionist is ideal for dealing with a perpetrator who is in a state of disequilibrium. And there's probably no other crisis situation in which a person who is intervening in this needs to be so skilled in handling this kind of individual than there is in a hostage individual. The fifth reason is that there are psychological dynamics of those who survive being held hostage that are a lot like the same psychological dynamics of those people who are victims of battering. Uh, coerced prostitutes, uh, uh, children who have been abused all their lives, and training in crisis negotiation as crisis intervention applies can give you a perspective on what it means to go through those traumas as a hostage person so that you can be better prepared. And as I said before, 95% of crisis and hostage situations are resolved peacefully without a shot being fired. And part of the reason for that now is that the use of crisis intervention theory and techniques is being used. So it's important to study these techniques and to be prepared for them, especially if you're going to be a public safety person, which is what most of my students are going to be. If we look at the dynamics of hostage taking, hostage takers need to be viewed as people who have reached uh, an acute level of frustration. The, the taking of hostages then is viewed by them as an attempt at problem solving. Hostage takers in most cases will see those hostages as pawns in a larger game and then use them as bargaining chips through the negotiation process that they already know will, is, is probably going to take place. And then lastly, the taking of hostages is an attention-seeking behavior, normally done to attract an audience, because without that audience, the hostage-taking is meaningless. And because you understand that what they're trying to do is to attract an audience, you then have a way to govern uh, what it is that takes place. There's two general classifications of behavior that you can observe in your hostage takers, instrumental behavior and expressive behavior. Instrumental behavior has some recognizable goal that the HT seeks to have fulfilled. Bargaining negotiation is often used with instrumental type HTs and involves situa situationally related objective wants or demands. You know, if they're a bank robber, they want a getaway car. All right, so that's instrumental behavior. They're looking for a way to instrument what it is that they want. Then you have the expressive behavior types, and what they're trying to do is to display their power. So expressive negotiation focuses on the impact of emotion and relationship in order to be able to resolve the crisis. Um, in, a, in a situation which is example is medical personnel who are held in a hospital by a parent who just lost their child. You know, the, the hostage taker uh, wants to gather attention to himself, demonstrate some kind of power over that hospital worker who has taken away from them something and somebody who means a lot to them. And so by you understanding the dynamics of the HT, uh, you then can understand how to work the expressive or emotion-based hostage situation to a successful close.
Hostage-taking acts that are more likely to result in injuries or fatalities are expressive in nature, so it's especially important if it appears as though that's the kind of HT that you have uh, that you try to understand them because these acts are more difficult to understand. A lot of times you're not going to be able to uh, relate to what it is that has gone wrong in their lives until you have done a good amount of listening to them and have established a rapport with them to better understand what it is that they want. The instrumental type who is a bank robber that says, I want a car and I want to go to the airport and I want a plane with a ticket to Mexico, that's pretty cut and dry. But if it's an expressive behavior and it's because a father's just lost his son and he wants to take out some people who are associated with what did or didn't happen to his son, well, you're not going to understand that until you find out that the son is gone and you find out that uh, you know the father and the son had a certain kind of relationship or whatever happens. And so there's a lot of intelligence information that needs to come into, that needs to come into play. There are different criminal types who are engaged in instrumental behavior which is a rational problem-solving kind of approach and is basically looking for a compromise. So if you have a psychotic or an emotionally disturbed person who's engaging in some expressive behavior, then emphasis is on your using effective techniques that promote affiliation and interdependence between you and them. It's not just you giving them a car. It's the fact that there's some kind of an emotional bond which is taking place. So let's take a look at some of the different personality types that are involved in expressive types of HTs. Uh, the mentally disturbed. Mentally disturbed HTs suffer from different kinds of psychological problems. A mentally disturbed person may or may not be in touch with the reality of the situation and may or may not really understand what it is that they're doing. They're likely to be a loner. Um, there may be some very personal, very obscure reason that they're, that they're doing what they're doing. They may have some feeling of religiosity and think that they're carrying out some sacred mission of some kind. Um, there are five major diagnostic categories of mentally disturbed HTs that you are likely to encounter through negotiations. And the problem that you're going to have is that most mentally disturbed people won't fall into a nice little category. A lot of times there'll be comorbid problems, uh, co-occurring disorders, and you're going to have to kind of sort out what it is that you're dealing with. Um, obviously, if they're not taking their meds, well, then, then you have other issues. Uh, and that might very well be, you know, part of your problem. But let's take a look at some of these people who are mentally disturbed, and let's get some specifics about the type of, of mental problems that they might be having and how those could be evidenced. The first is the schizophrenic personality. Schizophrenic personality uh, is obviously one of those HTs that are going to see the world differently than anybody else does. All right. They're going to be out of touch with reality. They're going to have a false belief system. They may be hallucinating. They may be delusional. Uh, they may be very eccentric in their dress. They may have very ritualistic behavior, which is associated with thinking that they can do things that they can't possibly do. People with paranoid schizophrenia are generally the most dangerous of the HT types. And the problem with that may be that they may also be antisocial. And now you have a person with antisocial personality disorder who is a paranoid schizophrenic. And 
these people who subscribe to a master plan of some kind or believe that they're in communication with a deity of some kind are going to be extremely conflicted, very difficult to cope with, and they're going you're going to have to work with them out of a tight mental compartmentalization. You're going to have to be prepared for some bizarre behavior, and um, you may have the focus will be more on ideas that they have. There, there's frustration and fear and conflict coming out of them. There's a lot of anxiety coming out of them. This anxiety will tend to make people very sensitive and volatile. Uh, if that person's off of their psychotropic meds, they may be experiencing hallucinations and delusions that to them are very active and very real-time. But this disassociation from reality is part of what happens when you get a schizophrenic personality. And so the ideation, the paranoid ideation that they may have from the they or the them against an individual that they have with them may end up being what turns the tables uh, in the wrong direction. So what do you do with a schizophrenic personality? Well, you, you allow them to vent. You know, first thing you want to have, one of the things that you want to do is to try to reduce their anxiety. Because if you can reduce their anxiety and at the same time try to build a problem-solving atmosphere with these people, then the the uh, paranoid schizophrenic will not see you as a threat, but will see you as more of a collaborator. You can't convince a paranoid schizophrenic that they're wrong. You can't try to reason with them and see them, uh, try to get them to see the ill of their ways or any of those kinds of things. Show them some empathy, reflect on what their feelings are, uh, have them believe that you think that what it is that they're doing seems to be an appropriate response, uh, but you're probably not going to develop closeness to them. You're probably not going to, you're not going to become their friend. They're not going to all of a sudden switch and think that you are somebody that they're going to have a relationship with later because if they perceive that you're trying to build a relationship, their paranoia will probably then make them suspicious of you and make them distrust you. Um, so you, you want to be very careful and professional and understand that there being some tepid boundary between you and them actually may facilitate the situation a little bit with them uh, respecting you for um, being somebody who, when you say you're looking out for their best interests, really are. The bipolar personality may be another one that you have to uh, deal with. Uh, you may have a bipolar with uh, who's in the manic stage and also is APD at the same time. So that will make them very volatile and very, very dangerous. Uh, he or she will take chances and make threats and believe that they're smart enough to be able to escape the police who have them surrounded, no matter how impossible it might actually be. Manic individuals have to be kept very busy, very involved. Uh, you can't let things start to slow down. You have to stroke their egos and use active listening skills to allow that individual who is in a manic stage to believe that they're being heard, that they're the center of attention. And if they have antisocial tendencies, then the reality of the situation needs to make clear as to how far he or she can go before the police are going to take action. They need to understand uh, who it is that maintains power within the relationship. The person with mania has to be kept on track. 
you have to ground these people because they're, they want to go off on a tangent about something, so you have to keep pulling them back. You can apply more directiveness toward the bipolar personality than you can the others, but you have to be prepared mentally and physically in some cases for the mania that they're in to outlast your capacity to keep up with them. And as a result of this, there should be a secondary negotiator who is at least participative in some aspect of the process so that when you need to take a break, somebody else can come in and take your place and can keep the ball going. Um, Hostage takers who are depressed on the flip side of that mania uh, seem incapacitated mentally, and they may not make clear demands. They may be confused. Uh, they may identify themselves as being on a depressed part of their cycle by an inability to make a, a decent decision or by a subdued speech of some kind. Uh, so these people then will evidence themselves in such a way that uh, that you can actually pick up on where it is that they are within the uh, within the mania. And one of the things that you have to be concerned about is is if suicidal tendencies start to come in. Because during the during the depressed part of that cycle that they go through, they may become suicidal. They may take a hostage to force that police uh, to force the police to shoot them. You know, suicide by cop. So if there is a if there is a depressed individual who wants to use suicide by cop as a tactic to commit suicide because they don't have the courage to kill themselves, they have now become a very dangerous individual. And these aggressive actions that they may be engaged in, may be in they may be doing to, uh, to try to force the police to kill them. So again, you need to use a problem-solving approach with these types of individuals. If that, if that person is suicidal, then the negotiator has to get some kind of a commitment, no matter how difficult it may be to keep that person from acting out that threat. And if possible, they may have to change the subject to get that person's mind off what it is that they're going to do. Uh, so in a very methodical, paced kind of way, the intervention procedures that you need to use have to apply with an understanding to that individual that they're manic. And maybe you're going to be talking with them in a depressed state through one part of the negotiation cycle, but then all of a sudden they may uh, they may cycle into a more manic state, and then you'll have to kind of go back to ground zero and being able to handle whatever that change is. Uh, we're gonna that that ends the bipolar personality. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about mental health issues associated with inadequate personalities as they relate to hostage negotiations. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You are listening to the American Public Safety Training Institute. You may have a degree, but do you have what it takes? Online and field training available now from Tapsteed. Get the skills from the best trainers in America. Find out how at www.tapsteed.org. Get your foot in the door by earning your certificate now. 